Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. This podcast is part of an online community library we're developing, one that contains podcasts, videos, transcripts and booklets based on Michael's talks. The goal of this library and this podcast is to bring mindfulness and mental health into the spotlight. Through this work, we're creating new ways to wake up through socially engaged, conscious, spiritual practice. We're creating a culture of compassion and collaboration. We've left our physical monasteries and we're bringing them online. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon. Pledging is easy and can be as little as $1 per month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Michaelstone and click on the big orange button on the top right of the page. Thank you for listening. I think that would be unfair to ask. <laughs> yeah, sure, you can ask me at some point, but obviously we're not going to go through 59 slogans right. today. Yeah. That would be like saying, could we do all 84,000 yoga poses? I know, I know. Some poses? of them look kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. Some are sort of provocative. Yeah. Hard yeah. yeah. I, I like number 59. I really want to talk about that. So. Okay, well, we're only <laughs> default mode network. Okay. <laughs> If you look closely, you'll notice that point two is divided into two different sections. The first section is um, absolute compassion. And the second section is relative compassion. So most of the points that we covered yesterday are very idealistic. And the point of, idealize, the point of ideals in religion, in general, is... Um, to positively stretch your imagination. To say, oh, I live in this narrow bubble. I'm so rational. I know what I know. And it's really good to sometimes take in other values or other worldviews or other ideas that really stretch your imagination and can change your imagination. So that's what those uh, slogans are all about. But now we're looking at relative compassion, so bringing it back into our bodies and our relationships. And so the first teaching is line number seven, <clears throat> which is to practice sending and receiving on your breath. Uh, this is instruction for a meditation practice called Tonglen, which probably in the United States has been made most famous by Pima Chodron, who uh, teaches this very regularly. And with some controversy, because some people think you should never practice Tonglen meditation until you have a lot of experience with mindfulness meditation and can feel really stable. And other people, like Pima Chodron, uh, think, well, you can just start right off the bat. It doesn't matter. Um, Tonglen is a Tibetan term. And it means giving and receiving. 
So it's a practice of learning how to give and also learning how to receive. And in this practice, when you exhale, you send out happiness and mercy and liberation and peace to other people. And when you inhale, you inhale in the suffering, the pain, and the discontent of others. It kind of sounds backwards, doesn't it? Yes? Oh, you can. I feel like that the practice, the way that they're presented so often is either this way or the opposite of like yep. inhaling goodness and exhale all the things you want to do or that. Yep. Let's just wait and see as we practice it some more. But yeah, I mean, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> there's no like way to breathe. There's no way to move your body. There's no. But there are these practices that over time have been refined. And, you know, I'll talk about it a little bit more, but what I love about this practice is it's totally counterintuitive. Usually our nature is to inhale what's good and healing and light and exhale what's difficult. Because that's what it seems like we do naturally, quote unquote, which is, <sighs> right? And this practice is asking us to flip it the other way around. To exchange our happiness for someone else's suffering. So that's why it's set up that way. Yeah. But you can play with it. Of course, the contrarian has this question. Yeah. Isn't that the, the argument about being a more advanced meditator? Because if you are breathing and suffering, depending on your own psychological state, that could you could be pulling in when you're not quite ready. Yep. So um, you take in other people's suffering with a sense of openness and compassion. Um, and then you, you send out that same spirit. And I guess I also just want to share personally that uh, I avoided this practice for the first 10 years or so of my own meditation ventures. Uh, I thought compassion practices were a waste of time. I thought they had nothing to do with my own enlightenment. And uh, the truth was I really just had a lot of resistance. Uh, one, to being guided in a practice. And second, that a practice should be about other people. <laughs> so um, I feel like I came to compassion meditations a little late in the game. Uh, in fact, it was so extreme that sometimes on retreats, when the teachers would start guiding compassion practices, which happened often like at the end of the day or at the end of the retreat, I would just completely tune it out and do my own thing. Um, so one of the things that I'm going to include when I guide you through this practice is also what to do with resistance when it comes up in this practice, because I think it comes up more than sometimes we like to acknowledge. Because what are we being asked to do here? Take in somebody's suffering. Breathing in, how do you how do you protect your 
you're somebody that's predilection is to take in suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't even started the practice. I've just <laughs> named for this practice that we're going to do. So, so please, let, let's just try. And let's also understand, too, that um, a bodhisattva's path is to serve all sentient beings. And the fabric or the web of sentient beings includes this sentient being. So if there's some resistance or there's some difficulty breathing in the suffering of other beings or it's overwhelming, we breathe that in. We breathe in the overwhelm. And we work with that as part of the practice. Yeah. So, um, but also we should have beginner's mind. So if you've already started thinking about how this is gonna go, then you can let go of all that material. So, again, uh, you practice sending <coughs> and receiving. And I think before we even get there, the real question behind this is um, for us to ask ourselves, you know, why do we always insist on our own happiness? Why does that always come first? Because awakening, according to this model, is when we serve others is when we serve all sentient beings. So why do we separate out a me and just want my happiness? Why do we live like that? It causes so much trouble. So like I just said, now we're learning a new practice, which is to exchange our own happiness for the suffering of somebody else so that we can live in a way that has more faith and more devotion and more love. In yoga practice, we learn how to do movements with our full attention. When a teacher is asking you to examine the way weight falls in a heel, or how weight gets distributed in an ankle. When Renee is slowing down a pose, or actually what I think she does really well is slowing down tra transitions between poses, she's teaching you mindfulness exercises, which is how do you pay full attention to what's going on. And in meditation practice, formal meditation, we're doing the same thing. It's just tracking our experience with full attention. And hopefully, if you're doing that, it translates into your relational life, which is being able to give people your full attention. And not just giving people att your attention who uh, are happy and who are good looking and who are in your club but giving attention to people who are just the people you encounter. They're the people. Like you're the people. If you ever go on a formal meditation retreat, one of the things you do uh, a lot is clean. I always tell people that if you ever go to a monastery and live in a monastery for a while, a Buddhist monastery, Mostly you'll clean. 
You think you'll sit meditation a lot, but mostly you clean. That's what you do. You'll clean. And um, <clears throat> there's a wonderful story about a teacher named Soen Roshi. He came to the United States to teach, um, and this was in the 60s. And it was the first time he was teaching a retreat, and he got to the retreat center, and his uh, young students all gathered to, to have tea with him. That's a, a you know, Asian custom, as you would sit down and first, the first thing you would do is you would have tea. And as you might know, uh, when you have tea, you bring your full attention to having tea. And they didn't have any like fancy Japanese tea you know, pots or cups. Um, they just had paper cups. So um, they poured them tea in the cups, and they all sat together and had tea. And when they were done, some students started crumpling up their paper cups. And he said, no, 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 no. Those are your cups. You're going to use those cups the whole retreat. And you're going to take care of those cups. And when you drink from those cups, you're going to put your full attention in those paper cups. So some of the students, they like had to like make their cups. <laughs> and then they did their whole meditation retreat using these paper cups. And then at the end of the retreat, he said, okay, now you can crumple up your cups and throw them away. And people were like, no, that's my special cup. <laughs> so attached to their cups. You know. And maybe that's a really good teaching just about how the quality of our attention infuses things, like physical things, with importance and beauty, you know. Like something that we're not really giving our attention to isn't beautiful. And then you really give your attention to it. And sometimes it's like remarkable how different or how much value that object can have. I feel that way about the Beatles. I think about this sometimes. Like all of us have heard the Beatles so much, right? We've all heard the Beatles so much. None of us can say if the Beatles is a good band. <laughs> Because you don't have anything to compare it to, right? It's like we've just heard it so much. It's like Bob Marley. You've heard it so much, it's like the, oh, well, no, that's not fair. Bob Marley's amazing. But, <laughs> but the Beatles, it's hard to say, like, are the Beatles a good band? We don't know. We've put so much attention into the Beatles, whether you've done it consciously or not, that you don't know anymore. And so this is what we're doing in Tonglen practice. We're bringing very careful attention into inhaling suffering and really careful attention into exhaling peace. And there's some transition between the inhale and the exhale that we don't completely understand. Like we don't understand how the suffering then turns into peace and we don't need to. But we're just exploring that movement. And the other thing this practice um, is suggesting before we jump into it that's important to think about is whether the pursuit of happiness is either <coughs> even the right pursuit. Like, how would you live if you gave up the pursuit of happiness? I don't know if it's illegal to say that in this country. 
But if you gave up the pursuit of happiness, what would you do? Well, my guess is you would do Tonglen meditation. <laughs> you would just start breathing in the suffering of other people and exhaling joy and light and kindness because it feels so damn good to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and don't forget we've already studied a lot of slogans. And one of those slogans was see things as a dream. So you can see the heaviness of suffering also just turn into air or powder. So let me describe the meditation and then I'll guide you through it. And of course, everything that we do is optional. And if you feel, as I felt for more than 10 years, I'm not really into compassion meditation, or you might also feel like it's too much for me, then you could do something else or lie down outside in the hall, whatever you want to do. <clears throat> so on the in-breath, you're going to um, I'm just going to describe a way to do it and then I'm going to talk you through a, my version of it. But on an in-breath, you're going to um, breathe in a particular area, like a group of people, a country, um, like a global situation, um, but at a level of sensation. Okay. Maybe you're breathing in grief of a group of people, um, and then you breathe out uh, peace. Um, then we'll get a little more specific and think about a person. We'll think about this community here, which is, I always think of these workshops as pop up sanghas. And um, then we'll uh, practice for ourselves, and then we'll let go of the whole thing, like the paper cup. Mm -hmm. Such full attention, and then, okay, now crumple it up, <laughs> let it go, don't hold on to it. Because yeah. if it ends and you're like, whoa, I was such a bodhisattva. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, So come into a comfortable position. Uh, if you need to stretch your legs a little bit. We've been sitting for a while, that's fine. <clears throat> Let your eyes close softly. And if you're used to meditating with your eyes open, it's okay if you want to close your eyes in this posture for this meditation. Let the sitting bones be rooted side to side. 
and allow the tips of the ears to lengthen up out of that rootedness. Let the height of the posture come from the back of your body so that your chest can remain soft, uplifted but soft and receptive. Bring to mind someone that you know who is suffering or in pain or in illness right now. Look at them. Maybe see what they're wearing or what their face looks like. And when you breathe in, try and breathe in their actual illness. Try to breathe into your own body the actual pain. Notice if you're telling a story about it and try and just stay in the level of sensation with just a little bit of image. If it's scary, breathe in the fear that you feel. If it feels forced, don't try so hard. Try to inhale the actual illness. Maybe it's a cancer, a drawn out disease, trouble of getting old. Then just Take it into your body on the inhale. Breathe it in not just through your nostrils, but through all of your pores. Your knees, your thighs, the soles of your feet and your armpits. Breathing in the substance of somebody else's pain. Your body has the capacity to transform that suffering into healing. So when you breathe out, of course, use your nostrils 
but let your whole body exhale. And let the transformed breath travel towards that person. Inhaling their actual suffering and exhaling a transformed breath directly to them. Wherever they are in time and space, if they're not alive, you can let your breath go there also. Inhaling suffering but exhaling a healing, lighter breath. Send healing energy towards that person as your body exhales. Breathe in suffering, send out healing. If you feel resistant to breathing in pain, then breathe in your resistance and your own discomfort. And breathe out healing. If you feel the fear of taking in another person or your own fear of how much pain there is in the world, then just breathe that in and breathe out relief. Breathe out ease and release and mercy. And please realize that at this moment of breathing in fear, many other people in the world feel this kind of fear also. You're breathing in fear with and for many other people. Everybody in this room has sorrow and fear that gets carried around. So now let's switch our attention to this room. <clears throat> let's breathe in the known and unknown suffering 
in this room. Maybe there are stories you know about in here, or intuit, or an expression you saw on someone's face. Just breathing in the pain or suffering in this room, in this community we are in. And breathe out light, joy, healing, and safety. Everything's okay. Breathe out ease and relief. Relief for everybody in the room. Again, if you feel scared to take in other people or you get distracted, just breathe in the resistance and the distraction and see what happens. Breathe out relief. Now, turn your attention to your own self. Consider how and where you've experienced pain or suffering. And can you breathe in your suffering? Can you say yes? Can you breathe in betrayal, disrespect, emotional pain, physical pain, disappointment? Frustration. Always so much frustration. And then breathe relief back to yourself. Healing yourself not by eliminating pain, but by breathing it in. It's important to stay focused here so that you can find healing in the pain itself. and exhale relief. And now for the last minute, 
let all that go. Sit with ease. Be attentive to what you're feeling. <clears throat> and breathe in and out very gently. together gently. Exhale. And inhale. <clears throat> so let's uh, find a partner and let's just share with them what that was like uh, without editing. Thank you for listening to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. If you like this podcast, you can support it by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please take a moment to rate us and leave a comment. Your feedback helps to distinguish us from the pack. You can also support us by word of mouth. Tell a friend or send a tweet. Finally, please consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Michael Stone. Even a couple of dollars a month will help us reach our goals. To learn about Michael's retreats and his online courses, go to michaelstoneteaching.com. Once again, that's michaelstoneteaching.com. With your support, we'll continue to build a community library about mindfulness and mental health that can be shared with the world. Thank you for supporting this community without walls. <laughs>